Hi everyone. I wanted to thank you all for taking the time to fill out the community survey I posted a while back. I've already learned so much from reading the results and I'm working on implementing some changes that I feel will benefit you and me greatly. And I will make a video specifically about the survey in the near future. One of the things that a lot of you were requesting was that I should do some kind of chronicle or storytelling workshop. And I'm happy you want me to, of course, even if I don't really think I'm at a level where I should be teaching this, unless you believe in the old adage, those who can't, teach. <laughs> right, so the very first thing you need to decide is, what type of game do I want to run? Why are you deciding to run a game? Is it to impress your friends, uh, to put it online for others to enjoy, or is it to develop your own narrative skills? Is it primarily to have fun? See, there's a lot of research out there that will tell you what I'm about to say. You learn the most when you have the most fun. If you're having fun, you'll not only walk away from the table happy, you'll also develop your skills. So, have fun! Next, you need to decide, do you want to have a cinematic game or a sandbox game? These are words I use to describe my own approach to it, but your mileage may vary. Essentially, do you want a game with a clear plot to it, that has the players experience something you have planned out ahead? Or do you want to give them the freedom to approach whatever they want and have yourself react to what they are doing? It is not as easily clear cut of course, but there are some pros and cons, not to mention design choices that are more prominent in one form over the other. A cinematic game is something akin to LA by Night or even my Chicago Stories. There's a clear meta plot going on in there and the players are consciously pursuing it. There are some pros and cons to this method of playing, of course. Obviously, each session is going to require more from you, the storyteller. You will need to plan out scenes, SPCs, eventual splits in the plans depending on the player choices and so on. Essentially, you will need at least a couple of hours ahead of the session to think what you want the players to experience during this particular game. This is dangerously close to what some people might call railroading, but hear me out. People mostly complain about railroading when it's obvious their choices don't matter, and I agree, player agency is super important in any game, or it wouldn't be, you know, a game. Still, I think most of us would agree that an engaging story does require some guidance from a storyteller. The difference is, a good storyteller knows when to bend or break their plot depending on the choices made by the players. Let's say you have an important elder who is going to give the player characters a mission. The plan is that the elder will give them a lot of money to track down another elder and kill them. The PCs arrive at the meeting, but due to some unforeseen circumstances on your part, they end up killing this elder. Well, shit. As they search his place, however, they find a thumb drive with details about a bank vault full of cash that they can get their hands on. But there's someone else who owns the second part of the code to open said vault, the person this elder was going to aim them at to begin with. See, in this scenario, you reward the players despite them derailing your planning. The money can easily be replaced with something else the players want, and suddenly they're back on track despite killing off the contact. Never punish your players for testing the boundaries of your game, unless it is at the expense of everyone's enjoyment, but rather reward them a little bit while also pointing them in the right direction. I know for a fact that Matthew Mercer, the DM of Critical Role, has so many times found his plans foiled by the shenanigans of the group, but he constantly recycles a lot what he made for later points. Give it a new coat of paint, a slight rewrite and you're good to go. A cinematic game is often very entertaining, not only to play but also to watch. If you plan on running an actual play, that is by streaming or uploading your sessions for others to watch, it's often easier to catch people's attention if there's a lot going on. Imagine you're surfing the channels on a TV. 
You might spend a total of 5 seconds on each channel to see if it's something you want to watch. It's kind of like that with actual plays too. The market is very heavily saturated at the moment and chances are people might stick around more if there's exciting stuff happening rather than some out of character talk between the storyteller and the players about what they want to do next. That being said, if you're starting out, my advice is you avoid streaming. You're going to make mistakes, you're going to forget rules or names, I still do, and the added stress of other people watching, yeah, it's pretty unnerving. Also, don't compromise your own fun just to get views. Do what you enjoy and find fulfilling. Finally, cinematic type games allow you to flex your narrative skill and plan ahead. It is often a lot easier to improvise something when you have a good idea of where you want the players to end up. So this is a good testbed to try out that SPC you had lying around for a while, or to test the rules for car chases or, well, you get the idea. The sandbox or open world style is more akin to Elder Scrolls rather than the Final Fantasy series. This type of game gives relatively free reigns for the players to focus on what they want to do. You will still be required, of course, mostly to offer consequences to player actions, to present challenges to entertain, and to maybe drop some story seeds here and there for them to pick up. This type of game is very much about improvisation and adaptability. It can at times be very stressful to produce something out of nothing, so having some pre-made SPCs or similar lying around is not a bad idea. But the point of these kind of games is that player autonomy is key. That being said, you're not just a vehicle for your players to have fun. This is an excellent opportunity for you to truly flex your creativity and improvisational skills, and at times you may come to find that some of the best stories you've ever told come from these highly creative and slightly random games. And keep in mind that sandbox doesn't mean total chaos, it simply means that you're handing over more of the control to the players. A sandbox type game in a Vampire the Masquerade setting could just be the players arriving to a new city. You can have all the pieces planned out ahead, or you could make up the SPCs as you go along. But the whole point is that it is the players who decide why they're there, and if they're going to stay. But this line may become slightly murky in both types of games, of course. Maybe the players begin as Camarilla and decide to join the Sabbat. In a cinematic game where you design the entire story around the politics of the prince's court, this might just not work and you would have to tell them, although preferably everyone would already know this before you started playing. But in a sandbox game, why not? Maybe they become high-ranking members of the Sabbat, sending troops like chess pieces against the ivory tower while simultaneously fighting off younger Sabbat wanting to take their seats. These types of games can be fairly unpredictable and may, in the worst case scenario, totally spiral out of control. Sandbox does not necessarily mean fuck with the storyteller and the rest of the players. But be ready as a storyteller to inform the players that their actions will have consequences. It's also crucial that everyone is on the same page when you start out, you're making a game together. Some players might also feel overwhelmed with all this freedom, so sometimes you're going to have to take the reins a bit anyway. See, this is what I meant by them not being completely distinct from each other. You need to decide what your framework is, even if that is just a set of rules for combat that everyone agrees to. Sandbox games can also be cooperative. This is something I've seen a lot in games made using Powered by the Apocalypse. Essentially, the players help create the world, filling it with SPCs, with geographical areas, lores, myths, what have you. I want to use an example for this. There is a setting which I and some of my friends have been playing in for a long time. It's, long story short, a sort of renaissance-esque low fantasy trade city ruled by money and old blood. And since we're creating this story ourselves and the world, a lot of times we find ourselves in a spot when there's really no precedence for what we're doing. And at these points, we kind of take off the game hats and instead become developers. 
we will hash out together what makes sense in this setting, what is the relationship to what's already established, and so on. This, I've heard, is a very strange way of approaching a game, but it's provided me with some of the best gaming I've ever experienced. It's a world we're all intimately familiar with, and we all feel like equal parts in its creation. Whenever we start a new game, we sit down and ask ourselves what part of this society needs to be developed, and we start from there. This is naturally not the only way you can run a sandbox game, but it's certainly an interesting one. The downside to it, I would wager, is that you really need to be in sync with each other. This isn't a game style I would recommend for a pug or a pickup group, for example, since there needs to be a level of trust and familiarity between you all to make this work. I will be talking about your group composition and your session zeros in a later episode, but I think we're gonna end it here for now. And that's about it for this workshop episode, but for now, I hope you enjoyed this and I would love to get some feedback on this Office Hour episode, because it might become a regular feature. We would like to pay our respects to the Methuselah, storyteller Nylon, ancient and powerful as he, and Aubrey Ayers, whose wisdom transcends the boundaries of our understanding. We are truly blessed to be advised by their brilliance. The Primogen Council would also especially thank some members for their contribution to its work. Maximilian S. Hardcastle, Snow, Zero Six, and Stonewolf18. Your wisdom, experience, and good judgment shall be the torchlight by which we conduct our affairs. We would also like to thank our elders, Edward Reed, Dante the Canine, What's That Smells His Blood, and Remy Van Roy, who receive our gratitude for their support and wise counsel. And we would also like to thank the NCLA Colin Gifford and Harry Wyckoff for their support. Likewise, all stalwart neonates receive our appreciation for their services. And thank you for watching. Office hours are over for today, but we will receive you soon enough.